This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Thank you for listening to the FCS podcast with your hosts, Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, do you believe? Welcome back to the FCS Podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, as always, talking to Sean remotely this time over Skype, which we're you know, a little bit outside of our comfort zone here, but you know, we're, we're Joe, well we are. capable. We figured it out. We are very capable audio technicians. Yes. We have been able to do this before, and it is better than last summer with we just standard call in, set the phone down as close yeah. to the microphone as we can. Yeah, we had two microphones, <laughs> and then we had one just off. off. I had my phone propped up to the other microphone, and it was just, oh, God, it sounded horrible. I mean, it, it, it sounded like a radio show calling, calling it. That's yeah. what it sounded yeah. like. But Obviously, hopefully this sounds better. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to have to see the, the outcome of this because this, this is the first full run of this. We're just kind of going in and see what happens, that kind of thing. Oh, it sounds pretty clear. I think we're, I mean, obviously we've been working on the, the technical side of this for about 30, yep. 35 minutes. I, you know, this is as good as we're going to get it. So Sean was apparently busy yesterday, so we didn't get to record. Yeah, that, oh. that, that, that Nats game looked really busy, Sean. <laughs> hey, you get free tickets at the club level. Uh, thank you to my neighbor. Oh, that's you nice. got to go to those. Yeah, it was real nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, better than going to a Phillies game. Gosh. Uh, yeah. Debatable. I'd How dig, are the Nats doing right now? Did I would dig ditches for 10 hours a day before I went to a Phillies game. <laughs> Did the Nats at least win? You told me they were down when I, no, they when lost. I texted you. I they think lost they lost 6-5. to five. Good. Oh, you didn't even stay for the full thing? <laughs> no. They left Good. The oh, wait, so they came back? Yeah. When did they come back? Like, Because you uh, told me they were down 6-1. Progressively within, I think it was the, the fifth through eighth inning, they started coming back more and more. Okay. Well, that's not a bad game. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Got to see some home runs. But so to man. kick things off, though, we're going to get right into the news roundup. And there's a pretty juicy news story that impacts all of NCAA. And that news story that came out last week is that the NCAA is looking into making it so athletes can profit off their likeness. So this does not mean they're going to be paid for their play on the field by universities and by the NCAA. They're not going to be compensated for that. But they're looking into making changes so that players can do things like ha- that uh, Donald DeLahane, the kicker from UCF, who had to shut down, or sorry, was <clears throat> faced with the ultimatum of shutting down a YouTube channel he created and was profiting off of, or quit football. He ended up quitting football. But it would open the door for things like that, allowing for players to market themselves, um, have sponsorships, but the interesting thing about that is that it has inadvertently 
created the possibility for NCAA football, the video game, by EA Sports to potentially come back. Sean, what do you think about that? I like uh, the way that it's moving because it kind of helps us out if they yeah. were to start working with the, the likeness and making that um, able for well, us. It would be way after we're done. We got a Obviously. year left. But yeah. still, it, it, I think if there were people like us that would want to do um, something to the effect that we're doing, it would make it easier for them and they wouldn't have to worry about that very much. I'm not a fan of the NCAA football games personally. Mm-hmm. And I, I like I, I like that they're not getting paid to play. I like that we're not getting paid to play. I enjoy the aspect of amateurism. I think that dudes should be able to uh, profit off their likeness if that's what what it can dictate it. If they have the ability to make money for themselves from their likeness, that should be something that they should be able to do. But being paid to play in almost a salary type way, I don't agree with. So I, I'm very for the motions that are being pushed forward here. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that it's it's a very complicated process to be able to actually pay every single athlete. Schools really don't have that kind of money to pay every single person, and there's all these indirect things that that come with like who gets paid what, that that kind of nonsense and issues and it would be it would be so convoluted and things would be very complex. But I have constantly been an advocate for allowing players to do things that would help them get some money because realistically athletes and football players specifically have a very busy schedule so they can't really work until maybe the summer to make a little bit of side money. So if they're if they're doing enough that they're notable and a brand is willing to say like, hey, can you just, you know, we'll pay you to promote our product. That kind of thing I've always been a, a um, promoter for. I think that would be great. I think that would help a lot of people out. And it would just, it would solve a lot of issues that a lot of athletes are facing. Now, I, I found this tweet from DJ Dallas, who plays for Miami, the University of Miami, the U, not Miami of Ohio, at 13K DJ. And he tweeted out, if the NCAA football came back, the video game, they need to put the create a school mode in the game and add all of the HBCUs and FCS teams back into the game. So that would be incredible if, if we were able to see, because previously a while ago, they had the option to play with FCS schools. So that'd be great to finally see all of those, all those schools in the game and have every single division one team playing in, in uh, playable in NCAA 14. Yeah. I mean, that that's almost a pipe dream at this point though. Yeah. And when we talk about, the money that does come funneling in from the NCAA, people love to bring up March Madness and the um, and then and the amount of revenue that it brings in. But that's only for one month a year, and it's for arguably the biggest event in all the college sports and all of athletics. And there's a lot more than just men's college basketball for one month a year uh, that brings in uh, revenue, and it's also a, an outlier to the amount of revenue that the NCAA is pulling in. So I think if you do look at the rest of uh, Division One, even even want to look at football, outside of the Power Five conferences, not many teams are in the green. So when you think about the revenue that they're bringing in, they're in the yellow to red area of either they're losing money or making money. Mm-hmm. It's almost unreasonable to go salary-based. So I, I do I think the profit of the likenesses for FCS and HBCUs, if we were to keep on moving forward with this payment of likenesses, that would be the best way that we could do it. Because eventually people are going to keep on standing up and talking about how much uh, they should get paid a salary if you are in the Power Five conferences. Uh, obviously, realistically, 
that could potentially happen down the road, I don't know, 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. but HBCUs and FCS teams still would not be able to get paid on that salary basis. So the likeness is a huge deal. The final thing that we have here in our news roundup is from Sam Herter of Hero Sports. He's a great follow. He's at Sam Herter FCS. And every single year, I, I love following this. I followed it last year, is that he does a series where he names the best player in the FCS by number. So he started at 99. I believe he's at 97 right now because we're 100 days away from kickoff from the first game of the season. So it's you know it's a very good read. It's a very good thing to follow along with. Sean, do you think anyone on our team is going to make that list? Uh, I like number 65. I think that in a couple, about a no. month, that 65 uh, might get some run on Twitter. Um, you're not getting on the list, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Be realistic here. Uh, I think number 74 has a shot. I think number six has a shot for sure. Who's 70, 74 is Murph, right? Kyle Murphy, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely see either six. of them. Yep. And uh, yeah, 74, 65, 6, maybe 41. Yeah, no, there's no 41. <laughs> there's, definitely, there's definitely a linebacker, someone who's actually good. Now, don't get me wrong. I still consider myself to be one of the best long snappers, but how know, humble. I'm, yeah, exactly how humble because I'm very hubristic. But oh, here we go. <laughs> All right, we're going to transition right into the Southland preview, talking about last year's standings. We're going to alternate here back and forth over the Skype call that we have going on, so hopefully things don't get too confusing. But first on our list that was number one in the conference last year was Nichols. They were 8-4, and 7-2 in conference. They had a league-best rush yards per game, 267.3 rush yards per game, which... Not as high as some of the teams we were talking about last week in the Pioneer League, but that's still a lot of yards to be putting up on the ground. They also had the best defense in conference, only allowing 337.7 yards per game. And additionally, to go along with that great run defense, they had the most team sacks with 40, which is an incredible number. Yeah, 12 what is that? Twelve games in a, in, a, in a season there, forty sacks. Oh God, don't Joe don't Cr- try to do the game. Crunch don't, those numbers. Don't to... <laughs> crunch those numbers for me. That's, we're, not, uh, we're not doing math. Three and a half. That's about three and a half per uh, per game. There we go. Kinda. <laughs> we're rounding. Probably we're probably off again. <laughs> uh, yeah, coming behind Nichols was Incarnate Word, who was six and five on the season, six and two in conference. They had the best offense in the Southland with four hundred and eighty-three point two yards per game the best passing offense and in addition on defense they had a league high 18 team interceptions last year that's a lot of interceptions for incarnate word they were hawking every single pass down it's a no-fly zone for them next season as well right after them is lamar they were seven and five six and three in conference they had the worst pass defense last year so there were not really a lot of positives for lamar and that pass defense looked horrendous allowing 294.3 yards per game. Going to need some improvement from them next season. And then coming behind Lamar is Abilene Christian, 6-5 and five on the season, 5-4 and four in conference. Coming up right behind them, Central Arkansas, 6-5, and 5-4 five, five and four in the Southland Conference. They had the best run defense, only allowing, and get this folks, 102.4 rush yards per game. Those are incredible numbers. 
And in the middle of the pack, McNeese was 6-5 and five last year, 5-4 and four in conference. Worst offense last season, 291.3 yards per game. And they only threw for 181.5 yards per game. As a McNeese fan, you can only hope that they would get those numbers up in the upcoming season. It, it's really surprising they were able to win as many games as they did, considering how awful they were at moving the ball. Their defense was okay last season, but not being able to move the ball and only throwing for 181.5 is not going to work in the modern-day college football that we're seeing where offenses flourish by moving the ball through the air. Completely agree. Right after them, Sam Houston State, who at times has been the best team in this conference, but had a down year last year, 6-5, and 5-4 five, five and four in conference. And a lot of that struggle can be attributed to their horrendous run defense, allowing 208.5 per game. So you can only imagine when they played Nichols, they were lit up on the ground. And uh, now the first team in the below 500 Category Northwestern yep. State five and six on the year four and five in conference. Coming in right behind them, Southeastern Louisiana four and seven, four and five in the Southland. And uh, with a two and eight record, two and seven in conference, Stephen F. Austin surprisingly had a stellar pass defense, only allowing two hundred twenty-eight point nine yards per game in the air. But they had the league's worst rush offense, only ninety point four yards per game. You have to get that ground game going, uh, if anything, just to set up the pass. Fun fact, they had a very highly touted long snapping prospect, but you know that doesn't really help you with your, your run offense at all. I forget where he ended up. I think it might have been, <laughs> been the 49ers. I forget his name. His name was Chris something. It's like Chris Wilkins. Don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. Don't laugh at me. Just the way that you phrased... It does not help your run offense at all. <laughs> they, well, they, had the, they had the worst run <laughs> offense. I think his name was Chris Wilkins. I think. But he, he was a very good long snapping prospect. He went to the NFL PA Bowl, if I'm correct. And then he was an undrafted free agent. So, you know, fun fact there. Who's our last guy we got on here, Sean? Oh, no, wait, actually, I have that. Houston Baptist, eh, not so good. 1-10, in 0-9 in, in conference, which, yeah, ugh. You know, you, you hate to see that. You really hate to see that. They did a horrible, horrible offense. Wait, that number doesn't look right. I think I misquoted that, but they also allowed the most sacks with 44. So they just a lot of things they were struggling with, Houston Baptist. Houston Baptist. It's going to be a tough ride for them if they want to make an improvement. So, you know, I, for them, I really expect them to stay where they were last year at the bottom of the conference. Is it worst defense in conference, Joe? I think it was supposed to be worst defense, and I wrote offense. Because McNeese had the worst offense last season. Yeah, so it was so, 482.3 yards per game that they allowed. All right, that's there a lot. We go. Yeah, that's a lot of, that's that's a lot a lot of yards. Lot. It's not good. You can't win football games giving up that many yards. Yeah. Um, that, if I'm tough. correct, I don't think they've been in the FCS that long, so it's one of those newer programs that has not been doing so well. Now... We're going to do our favorite part that we do in our show is talking about the best returners. First guy we have on here from Abilene Christian quarterback, Anthony Luke, 3,019 yards, 23 touchdowns, and only nine interceptions to go with it. And this was really hard to pick out the best quarterback in this conference just because there were so many guys that had pretty good stats 
And the reason why I chose Luke was because he had the least amount of interceptions because there were some guys that had, had some pretty big touchdown numbers but were in that, that 13 to 15 range for interceptions. And the first running back, and a big part of the reason that Central Arkansas was above 500 last season, was running back Carlos Blackman, who tallied 786 rushing yards and nine touchdowns on the ground. He was their bell cow for them last year. Sadly, we don't have a guy on this Southland list that went over 1,000 rushing yards, but we had a guy that was very, very close. Nichols running back Dontrell Taylor, 990, just 10 yards short of that 1K mark. He also rushed for nine touchdowns. And maybe if he got some more carries, he would have hit that 1,000-yard mark because he was averaging 7.2 yards per carry, which is a ton to be averaging per carry. So maybe if he was you know, past that 200-carry mark, he would have been well over 1,000. That's Nick Chubb-esque. Yep, Nick Chubb-esque. Because that's what his numbers uh, were like with the Browns. Right. And uh, tight end alert, Joe. Oh, yeah. Southeastern Louisiana tight end, Brandon uh, Branson- Schwabel, 30 catches, 484 yards, three touchdowns, and a whopping 16.1 yards per catch. We don't necessarily get a ton of tight ends on here. It is exciting when you do get to see one make the best returners for the list. And the tight ends that we typically get never really have incredible stats, and they're usually recognized as best in the conference because of their efforts in the blocking game. But Schwabel was able to get over that 400-yard receiving mark, which is pretty good in college football. Any guy that can do over that as a tight end of all positions, they had a pretty good year. Three touchdowns, you'd like to see a little bit more from him because a lot of offenses love to use tight ends as red zone threats, but still pretty good numbers for him. Right after him, and a guy that I really like, is Nathan Stewart from Sam Houston State, wide receiver. He had 58 receptions, 1,063 yards, and five touchdowns. There were not a ton of receivers that had incredible numbers, and Stewart just really jumped out to me because of how well he was able to play. And do you want me to touch on both of the offensive yes. linemen here, Joe? That is okay. A, the that first is one, the first one of the two here, Central Arkansas offensive lineman Hunter Watts. Y'all get a load of this: six foot eight, three hundred and twenty pounds. This dude is a freight train. That's a big boy. Yeah, long arms, and he's just. A very, very big dude. He's uh, what you would call a big mauler, mm-hmm. meaning when you get a double-team block with him uh, on the guard, if he's coming down on a defensive tackle, he's definitely going to clear it up and open a hole. That's what you definitely see a lot from Watts. Uh, pass blocking is solid. You'd like to see him in this ne- uh, this upcoming season really work on his technique and hone in on his uh, pass blocking essentials, but run blocking, especially when he starts getting downhill, he's a problem. When you get a lot of those guys that are in that six foot six to six foot eight 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 range and higher, you, you kind of see them ha- struggle with their hip mobility and being able to stay low in their blocks and especially in their pass sets. It's very easy for them to rise up. You know, I'm sure you can attest to that. Right. Um. You know, not because you're tall, because you're only six two. Uh, <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners don't know, but, Joe. Okay. Well, you're under you're under six six, even though you told me you were six six, but. He, <laughs> NFL 6'5". Yeah, what Watts did a good job last year, and you you can see that level of consistency in his hips, too. Yeah. With offensive linemen that are over 6'6", on run blocks, you have to work almost a a ladder of horizontal leverage and stay low, and then once you get an extension, you can really start moving people. But there's a different type of leverage for uh, offensive linemen, like uh, Brandon Flores uh, from Incarnate Word, 
only six foot not only six foot four, but six foot four, two hundred and ninety-two pounds, a little more stout than Watts if you were to compare the two. Okay. Obviously six foot four, two ninety two is a really, really good frame. Uh it's a good build. Two ninety two is an it's enough weight to keep your uh weight behind you and it's still light enough where you have very good mobility. Dude's got pipes for arms. Uh he is gonna be really solid for word this year. Now, flipping things over to the defensive side of the ball, the first defensive lineman we have is Nichols defensive lineman Sully Leish, 6'2", 270, 46 tackles, 8.5 sacks, and 17 tackles for loss. So he was getting a lot of penetration. He was getting into that, that offensive backfield, and he was straight up making incredible plays. And uh, almost parallel stats with the... Uh... My defensive lineman here, Central Arkansas defensive lineman Chris Terrell, six foot three, forty-eight tackles, sixteen tackles for loss, and eight and a half sacks. So you, I think you and both you and I can both see a little parallel there. Yep, two big slippery dudes that are squeaking their way through and making plays in the backfield. Now for our linebackers, Abilene Christian linebacker Jeremiah Chambers, six foot one, two twenty. So a little bit bigger than the Pioneer League guys that we were talking about last week, but. As far as his numbers go, he had one of the most tackle totals last season, 113 total tackles, as well as three sacks to go along with it. Now, 113 total tackles is a lot of tackles, Joe. Oh, yeah. Now, that's a pretty Anyone good that goes stat. over 100, especially in college football, with less games compared to the NFL, you're hovering around 10 tackles per game, which is just an incredible level of consistency. Right, and that's a pretty good stat, but... This is top 22 tackles for loss from Nichols linebacker Evan Verin. Yeah, that man that man was downhill 22. last season. Yeah, 22. That's probably the, I think, is that the most that we've talked about? Uh, I, I can't remember if somebody from the MEAC had 23 or not. We'll have to check on that later. But still one of the higher guys that's a returner with that many tackles for loss. You don't really get to see that that type of production as far as making those plays behind the line of scrimmage. Right after him is Northwestern defensive back Hayden Bourgeoisie, five foot eleven, one eighty-four. And he had eighty-four tackles, which is great to see from a defensive back. But on top of that, he had five interceptions. That's a lot of picks. It's a, this is the third week in a row we've gotten to talk about a guy that had a ton of interceptions and looked incredible as a ball-hawking defensive back. Now, reminiscent of Jack Lambert when I see this frame here almost, yep. Sam Houston State defensive back Zion McCollum, six foot four, 190 pounds as a defensive back. He went to Ball High School, Joe. Is that not an incredible name for a high school? That's why you. <laughs> I was <laughs> wondering. That that's why you put that in there. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, he also had forty-four tackles, three interceptions, and two forced fumbles. He's all over the field, and it's really hard to miss him when he's on the field. Six foot four is very big for a defensive back. I don't know about you, but I always get so excited when I see defensive backs and safeties that are that big, six foot four, because it takes an incredible level of flexibility and movement to be able to play at that size as a defensive back. So that always makes me excited. So Sean, I don't know if you remember last week, but do you remember how I made the, I made the point that if we come up and there's another Zion guy, uh, I forget what I said specifically, but I made a joke about how, cause you were getting upset that I, that I wanted to make the Zion joke and you upset did not is the want wrong to. Word. What? 
Upset is not the correct word. I think I felt like it was ham-fisted. Yeah, ham-fisted is the better word. So we have another Zion guy. What are the odds after talking about it last week? I don't know, Joe. It's, it's, <laughs> it's spelled differently. I feel like... <laughs> it's I, a I Y just, instead of an I. Why are you so inundated with the name Zion? I don't know. It's a fun name. You're a clown. You're a clown. I am a clown. You know that. Let's be real. Let's, let's be real. I'm a clown. <laughs> now, after hearing all of those guys that we just talked about, who is your player to watch, Sean? Now, we've done four or five episodes of this, right? Yep. And every time I've cho- chosen either a, a running back or a defensive lineman or a linebacker, I believe. Scratch that. I am watching Hunter Watts this year. Ooh. That's who I'm watching. The big guy. He went the, he went with the hog molly. The what? The hog molly. You've never heard that term? The hog molly. Yeah, you've never heard that term before? No. That's a like a term for like a big offensive lineman. Never heard that before, man. You've life. never heard that and you and you play football? Yeah. And you're an offensive lineman? You've Maybe it's never a jersey thing. Maybe it's a jersey thing. No, I don't it's know. not. Never it's heard that the, before in life. I, I've heard that constantly. It's just like football broadcasting jargon to say hog molly. One more time. Hog molly. Uh, place of origin. <laughs> Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your player to watch, Joe? My guy to watch, however, is Nathan Stewart, and I touched upon him. He was the best returning receiver on our list, the only guy that I could really point to and if you're an underclassman getting over that 1,000-yard mark, you're always going to be set up to go well over that. I expect a 1,300-yard season for him. He's going to take that next step. Wow. He looked great. Now, Sean, who is your biggest sleeper team that is going to outperform from last season to take that next jump? My biggest sleeper team is going to be Central Arkansas. 5-4 and four on conference, 6-5, and five, uh, tied with... Abilene Christian, McNeese, and Sam Houston State all in conference. I think they're going to take the next step and beat out all those teams. I'm not calling them as mm-hmm. the big time, the big silly favorite that's going to go 9-2, and two, but I think that they're going to work their way past Christian McNeese and Sam Houston State next year. My pick has to be Incarnate Word, and I know it's not really a big riser because they finished second last year. But I think they could give Nichols a run for their money. They could finish in the top of this conference and make the playoff next year. They had the best offense, like we talked about earlier, also the best passing offense. And then to top things off, they had a ball-hawking secondary. So all of those things are going to translate. They're going to keep getting better. They didn't lose a ton of key contributors. They're going to keep balling out, and they're going to take that that next step and potentially knock off Nichols. Now, Sean, who are you thinking of to be the biggest faller, a team that's going to underperform and fall off the map a little bit? My biggest faller is going to be, unfortunately, Lamar. They had, like we alluded to earlier, a terrible uh, pass defense last year, and we didn't note any of their players as part of the best returners list. I don't see them going back to that... uh, Seven and five, six and three in conference. I think that they're gonna fall down to maybe it's one one loss less. Maybe they go into five and six, but I don't see them above uh, seven and five next year. For me, it has to be McNeese, who was six and five, and they were five and four in conference. 
They were in the middle of the pack. We had a lot of teams in that range. They were horrendous offensively, and their pass offense looked terrible last season. It's very hard to make that transition and to make those improvements if you're not moving the ball offensively. So unless they can make some huge personnel changes in their passing game, I do not see them hitting that 6-5 mark again. Now, the last thing that we always do is our projected winner of the conference, who we think is going to end up winning. And it turns out Sean and I are going ditto on this one. So, Sean, who is it? Uh, We both selected Nichols as taking the conference yet again. Yeah, they've always been one of the better teams in this conference. They looked really good, and understandably, they're losing a couple important starters. I like the way that coaching staff has made improvements over the past few years. If we're being realistic, they're probably going to win the conference again. Now, the one interesting thing about this conference is is most of the teams were relatively close in record. So there's a lot of things that could happen. Nichols could, you know, be in the bottom middle of this conference like we talked about with some of these teams that are, you know, sitting at 6 and 5. So there's a lot of things that are up in the air. A lot of things could potentially happen next season considering how good these teams were and they not really that many of them were able to set themselves apart from the rest. Lastly, we're going to get to our DM section. Today we sadly only have one, but that being said, if you want to shoot us a DM, you can shoot one to me at Joe DeLeon or comment on anything that I post out when I'm searching for DMs and comments. And also you can shoot Sean a DM, which is at SK Anderson 29. Appreciate that shout out, man. Oh yeah. You can throw us a follow also. Yes. Wouldn't throw, mind. throw us a follow. That'd be appreciated. <laughs> so the one question that we got today was from Steven Goldberg and he was asking, what is your go-to pregame meal? So how do we want to approach this? Is is this like, what do we like to eat before games? Or like, what was our favorite meal that we had during the season? I'm taking it as what we eat before games, and I'm taking it as the night before. Okay. For a home game that we get to choose. Not an away game where the whatever hotel we're staying at will have food for us, but it's a home game. We go, we have our dinner at the club, and then after that, you obviously have something else uh, before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what my... What would your go-to pregame meal be? I try to load up and eat a ton of food that night before. <laughs> and it does not sound like healthy stuff to do, but um, I like that. You know, you, you got to stick to the carbohydrates and some simple proteins, chicken, pasta. If we have steak, I will definitely lean towards the steak. I love when we go somewhere and they have steak. Um, but I, I definitely try to load up on carbs just because it's a good source of energy. It's a good way to keep yourself focused and at full capacity when you're playing in a game and albeit I'm not really doing something that expends a ton of energy but if I'm groggy going into a game it's hard to stay focused it's hard to um stay loose you know stay ready to go because I have to be ready to go at a moment's notice I'm not warmed up and loose 100% of the game I have to keep myself loose and be ready to go whenever so like I said Try to load up on things that are, are very heavy in carbohydrates. For me, it's spicy food the night before. Really? I eat. Yeah, yeah. Like I always go get uh, either it's uh, it's something with hot sauce. I got to put a hot sauce on it because it'll make me drink water. If it's hot Cheetos, it'll make me drink water. If it's just something spicy to get me to hydrate more than uh, normal. So, so, so you're not worried about it like 
ruining your digestive system. No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> fine, I'm fine. no, no, no. I know my. It's not like I'm going out okay to to Maharaja right down the street and and getting a whole bunch of their spicy curry. No, I'm getting spicy food that I know will make me need water. So would you not say something that will put me out of commission? Would you say this is because you're incapable of forcing yourself to drink water, or is it just because you? It's just easier. It's just okay. easier for me. Like I found a way, a system that works. You eat spicy yeah, food, right. you drink water. All right, I got you. Well, that is going to be it, folks, for the FCS podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you give Sean and I a follow at Joe DeLeon and at SK Anderson. Also, go and follow Believe Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. That's at Believe Podcasts, spelled B-L-E-A-V. You can also follow us and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and High Heart Radio. That is going to be it for us, folks, and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.